Welcome to the Unplanned Pause. This is a podcast about two friends' journey into the land of infertility. I'm Anne-Marie. And I'm Natasha. And we're both navigating our personal path to pregnancy and talking our way through it at the same time. Hi, Annie. Hi. So... (laughs) feels like ages since we talked last I know it's only only last week so much has happened this week I'm just gonna put it out there might be a bit of a long intro guys I'm really sorry well you know what Tash it's fine because I'm excited to hear all your updates but I have nothing so I literally have (laughs) nothing to say (laughs) I know you Um, said we were a little bit glum in our uh, in our intro last week um and I know you're no longer I'm just still probably the same level maybe like mood wise six out of ten yeah it's okay to be glum though you know yeah Yeah. I was you know we talked about it didn't we last week and we were like I don't want to do positive news of the week (laughs) yeah yeah just like uh a bit glum but yeah I feel like I'm I'm crawling my way out of that this week good tell us what happened how was your op let's start with that yes so last um last episode we talked about having having a hysteroscopy essentially was um looking at um the inside Mm -hmm. of my uterine cavity so inside my uterus and um, I'm not gonna lie it's of um operation so it's something that they they put a little lens camera up you and they also um I don't know the ins and outs of it but obviously some tool must go up um to look at what's inside and then if they find anything they take it out so um it's a little bit spenny um for especially as I did it private um and I was a little bit worried because um Tom is a Yorkshire man and he likes to know that he's getting value Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say he's not cheap he's a very generous person but there has to be value so (laughs) Um, ironically, um, and it's quite funny because the doctors and nurses really tried to manage my expectations. They said, we might go up there. We might not find there is anything there. And we just wanted to let you know. Um, but they did find quite a lot, actually. Okay. So, yeah. So I, they found adhesions on the right side of my uterus, mm-hmm. the left side of my uterus, and at the bottom of my cervix as well. So, um kind of came out of the operation and one thing I will say about this is I just love going under anesthetic because it's just <laughs> it's just lovely I had I felt like I had the best sleep of my life for about an hour and a half um came around had a little biscuit uh was feeling you know pretty good about my myself and my life and the nurse came in and was like um and the doctor came in and they just were like you're you know it's really good that you did that can I stop yeah. you before you go? Just to, to say, what are our adhesions and what does that mean for you? Yeah, good question. So I was thinking about this last night and I haven't really done, um, you know, when they when the doctor and nurse came in, I, I wasn't thinking straight. Um, I saw a little bit of muggy. So I didn't ask all the questions, but we are supposing that adhesions are like almost like the scar tissues and they, they are like strands of tissue that... Um, join your womb walls and mm-hmm. we're thinking that they these have they normally come through um some sort of physical trauma uh to your womb or they come through um endometritis um which is where an infection of the lining of your womb um or it can yeah it can come through things like pelvic inflammatory disease which again is an, an infection of, of your womb lining. So um, I, I did a little bit of research. So if you imagine if you imagine your womb's like a balloon, which has not been inflated, uh, adhesions come in to play. They create bonds between the two sides okay. of your womb walls. Okay. And that can stop everything from your lining escaping properly for, from a, a period perspective. So people who often have this find that they have quite light periods, okay. although I don't. Um, or they can find that, um, you know, it's difficult to conceive. Um, it may be harder for your embryo to implant. Um, and then obviously, like, um, then you'll, for your womb to kind of stretch out, I suppose, if you do get pregnant. Um, and 
I was thinking about this. The one really interesting thing was when I had my embryo transfer uh, last year, it was really difficult for them to find a speculum, I think it's called. Okay. I have to check that. To, that will go up, would go up and into my womb lining. And okay. I don't know if that has any effect on it, but so I was, I, there's two things, things that I was thinking here. I was really pleased I made a good decision and I was really pleased I had the operation. It was really expensive, but, um, you know, and I felt like that was a positive step forward. Like they found something that could have prevented me from conceiving last time, but now um, hopefully should not be a risk. Um, the other thoughts that I had then last night, whilst, you know, I had kind of five days of feeling a bit pleased with myself, to be honest, was like, oh God, like what if it wasn't my fibroid? Um, so we think these adhesions came from um, my fibroid removal, but my fibroid was on the top of my of my uterus. Um, and then I started thinking, you know, is this something that I need to look into more? So they will do a biopsy on the tissue, um, you know, is it endometriitis? Is it something else? Um, you know, why why were there so many more adhesions there than they thought they would be? It's quite likely that they are linked to the um, fibroid operation you had, though, right? Well, it's a it's a tricky one, right? Because my fibroid operation was like it had such a massive fibroid, and but my operation was on the outside of my uterus, so there shouldn't really be any damage to the inside of my cavity. Okay. However, that can happen, I suppose, just through years of it kind of pressing down. And I, I don't know why, but it can happen. But they did find so much more than they expected to find. And I think that is where I, I really need to do a little bit of questioning. Okay. Annie, you, how was your week? Because we, you have a birthday tomorrow. I do. My birthday's tomorrow. My week was like, I have nothing to say about it. Nothing happened. Nothing bad. Nothing good. Um, I don't really have any action to take on my fertility stuff. I'm still not drinking. Um, following the nutritional advice. Uh, so yeah, I've just kind of boring. I don't really have anything to say. Well, what so, are you doing for your birthday? Um, I'm having a barbecue today, low key. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Oh, we're going to go down the country tomorrow uh, for my actual birthday um, with oh, the doggy. Lovely. Yeah, so it should be nice. Yeah, yeah, and I think the weather's going to be good too. So, yeah, it's not all bad, is it? No. I hope the sun will come out for that. Fingers crossed, yeah. Now, and last week we um, played a bit of a game. Mm-hmm. And that game was um, around guess your birthday present. I have a bit of a sad update in that the present that I wanted to get you um, was out of stock. <laughs> and it was from John Lewis. And I was like really excited because I was like, what? Like we're so grown up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> really, really coming into adult here now. I'm shopping for your birthday present at John Lewis. <laughs> but sadly, uh, this one was just off Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, I think you haven't opened your present. I haven't. I've got it right beside me here. Yay. Um, Do you want to guess? Well, it feels quite large in size. I can tell it's like something quite solid. Um, I think one of the items is a book. It's definitely two items. Um, Can you give me a clue? So it is related to last week's clues. Okay. It's so, slightly different. So I think it's still something gardening. Mm. So is it a gardening book? I mean, well, I'm I'm really feeling it here. So like I'm kind of yeah, I'm... yeah. It's the books don't really give much away, do they? Um, you can't, you just can't like sense from the front cover. It's it maybe it's kind of a bit like gardening. It's something related to gardening. Oh, but not actually Fla- about gardening. flowers. Um pictures of gardens is it a picture book <laughs> it is yeah it's got lots of pictures in oh um another clue please um so when you're gardening you tend to be outside yeah i know what this but... is it is an indoor plant book yes I... <laughs> <laughs> can i open it can i open it, can I open yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. but there's something else oh urban jungle i thought the um copy look pretty um, <laughs> so like and also we talk a lot about your garden but 
I feel like I feel like inside me and some love as well, you know. Yeah, and I've got loads of indoor plants. Oh, this is so lovely. Thank like you. Like your uterus, inside needs some love. <laughs> <laughs> Just bringing it back to that infertility. Yeah, see what I did there. No, um, there is something out there in there for that is for your garden. Yeah. But it's a little odd. I'm not going to lie. I just it, I saw it and it made me laugh. Am I am I, <laughs> am I just opening it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Wacky tomato kit. Theater. <laughs> what the hell is this, Tony? <laughs> Basically, you can grow some really weirdly shaped vegetable. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, well, this is lovely because I have no tomatoes. So, um... Uh, yeah, I just thought like they're really odd ones. Oh, well. I see. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I'm Nash. really expecting though when we can see each other again. I'm expecting a some fresh tomatoes, tomato stew or something. Yeah. Oh, good. What are you going to name your? Do you name your plants? No, I have a lot of plants. You see, so you. I, I mean, I. I just couldn't remember the names of them all. Could I? Well, I think I think you should name this one. Okay. Like a person. Okay, I will. I will. I will. I'll get back to you. Um, but what I'm dying to hear is you told me you have an NHS update. What's happening? Oh, well, so this is the second twist to my week. Okay. I came out of operation and the nurse gave me an update and I was feeling very happy about all these adhesions being removed. And then um, I had a call on my phone and it was from an unknown number. And I thought, oh, it's probably like some of my medications being ordered and delivered or whatever. So I answered it and... It was the NHS nurse. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. Plot twist. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my God, I've just cheated on you. And also, you've got to bear in mind, like, this NHS clinic I'm at never really proactively rings you. Okay. Like, you have to be dying for the NHS clinic I'm at to ring you. Like, um, yeah, and, and she was saying, look, we want to start your frozen embryo transfer um, with the beginning of your next period. Wow, oh my God. And I was like, oh my, oh no, do I'm it. just paying. <laughs> look, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. I am not taking that carrot. So um, I, I filled her in and said, look, I'm actually, I'm actually just having a hysteroscopy and um, yeah, I've... Um, I've just come out of that. And so she was like, look, if you want to start on the, the calendar one of your period, then just let us, just bring us a let us know. Okay. Um, I have pretty much bought all the medications for my private cycle. Um, and I think we're just going to stay private. Um, okay. If you start on calendar one of the NHS, sometimes you have to wait 21 days and they put you on the pill. Then they like, so we're just going to forge ahead this month private. Um, and yeah, but it was, it, I think it's positive for other people to know that stuff is getting moving. And yeah, that's and, amazing. And like one of that hospital was the worst hit, um, with COVID in one of the worst hits in, with COVID in London. So I think that is really positive. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, Annie. I was like, I just, oh, it just. You know, you have no options and then suddenly you have two options. <laughs> I know. And also for listeners who are not involved in uh, the NHS, like it's just that their communication is so patchy. Like you've heard nothing. And then, right, we're going, we're going straight away now. And I mean, like, I don't think that that they need to be keeping us in touch, uh, keeping in touch with us as much as we probably expect. But like, it is funny how you had nothing at all. And then no right, we're going. Man. Of course you weren't uh, going to wait around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. But it is, it's hard to turn that down though, right? It's really hard, but yeah. having, like I said, that carrot's been dangled for a really long time and now we're just saying no. And it feels good to be like, no. to introducing Alison O'Leary our guest this week yeah so um guys we've just we've just actually recorded Alison first um and it was really interesting um Annie and I have actually both worked with Alison and um I've known her for many many years um but she's also my career coach so um it was a real pleasure to have her on today talking and sharing her tips um with you about you know looking at 
some of those maybe concerns, maybe considerations over where you want to go with your career and also how you do that in a way that um, can feel safe and can feel um, like there's actually less pressure on you um, if you're going through infertility as well. Hi, Alison. Hello. Uh, it's really nice to have you on the podcast. Um, so you mentioned in the intro that Alison O'Leary is a career coach and she lives in the deepest, darkest Wales, <laughs> <laughs> surrounded by like a bleak. lots of country. <laughs> um, but Alison, um, we've known each other for, gosh, I was thinking, what, 17 years, something? Yeah, like that's that. And Alison and I have worked together, but she's also been my career coach. So um, she has known about everything infertility-wise, probably close close to the start. Um, but we also worked together whilst I was looking at and thinking about changing my career. Um, and I really wanted to shake up my skill set and move away from um I was in a PR job and I wanted to go into digital marketing which is there are some similarities but actually is fairly different so um you know Ali has been a fantastic help to me in that journey and I've also found personally that it's been um for me going through infertility and being able to still change my jobs and still um, have some a stretch goal and be working towards something and understand myself a little bit better has been a real comfort. A lot of that stuff is really hard when you're going through infertility. Um, some people may find that it's, you know, they feel like they're in the wrong job. They um, feel a little bit stuck, but feel very paralyzed within that as well. Even if they do want to move forward and even if they do have the strength to move forward it can be really difficult um where do you start with all of this well I think it's important to think about I mean every single person is different and obviously it depends on the type of job you have how happy or not you are within that role and obviously I'm sure there are there are you know the the idea of staying with the same company for you know hopefully eventual maternity leave packages and things will play a part mm. in keeping people where they are yeah um, but i guess it doesn't it doesn't stop you thinking about what might be right and and planning a step change in a time frame that suits you and your personal circumstances depending on 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 you know where you're at and and what happens um so to be honest it's almost like start before you're ready. And it's always what I say to my clients because it, there's nothing, to, you don't have to take action on anything, but just coming to a clear conclusion about what the right thing is, should you want to then activate it, can just, it can, it can feel quite stabilizing. Mm-hmm. You know, at a time when, when you've got a lot of other things going on. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, it's, it's, for me, it's just, I, I always talk to my clients, you know, those that are ready to just really just start thinking about it. Start putting some, we're taking some steps to, towards building that clarity. I think some people just don't know where to start. But I mm. think when we when we started working together, what the first thing that we worked on was really understanding myself and my strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we were quite aware of my weaknesses by that point. <laughs> <laughs> don't do yourself down. I'm lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously we had the advantage of um, you having worked with me so um knowing where I probably shouldn't go um mm-hmm. but where where you want to go it can seem like a really big puzzle yeah because yeah there's so many considerations there are money considerations there are you know if you're changing career specifically um you know starting in a completely new skill set um you know how do how do people break that down and even start so there are four, it, it actually, and, it, and you're absolutely right, it can feel like a complete nightmare and sort of, you know, where on earth do you begin? And a lot of the times when I work with people, they, they come to me with a blank piece of paper and they've got absolutely no idea about what the right thing mm-hmm. might be. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, it's really quite simple. Um, there are four foundational elements that I work with people on, and they're a bit like the pieces of a puzzle. 
And when you put them all together, they start to really build a picture of the right direction to go in. Um, and so you've mentioned one of them. So one of one of the, the, the pieces is, a, is around personal strengths. So what are the things you are actually naturally talented at? Um, and I, I use, as we did, uh, a system called StrengthsFinder, um, which was developed by Gallup, the big international research firm. Um, and they, they interviewed over 2 million people who are at the top of their game in every kind of job role in industry you can imagine to try mm -hmm. and figure out what it was that was making those people so successful at their jobs. And when they analyzed all that data, they determined that there were 34 strengths that any one person might have. And it's, it's not really pat things, you know, so it won't come back and say, oh, you're really good at being organized, you're good at logistics. It's as much deeper than that. And it's based on how you intuitively interact with people, with data, and just with the world at large. Um, and they developed mm -hmm. an online assessment off the back of that research that you take, takes about 20, 25 minutes to do, and it tells you what your top five strengths are. And the reason it's so powerful is that what they found through their research is that all these highly successful people were all using their top five strengths every single day in the job role they were doing. So and interesting. when you do that, two, yeah, honestly, two things happen. When you're using what you're good at, A, you're gonna love it, because, you know, it's what you do with your eyes closed. You see, it's, 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 it's so innate, you don't really even have to think about it. And mm. B, you're much more likely to be successful. And, and it sort of flies in the face of what we get taught through school. And, and, you know, as you go walk into the corporate world, we get taught to focus on our weaknesses and plug the gap. Um, um, mm. it, it, it's a complete nonsense. It makes absolutely no sense. Because if you focus your time and energy on the things you're naturally good at, you're going to develop mastery in it much more quickly and you're going to find it a whole lot more enjoyable. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. I get people to take the assessment and, and then in a session, we'll actually go through their results to look at what those strengths actually mean, You know how they play out in a work environment, what types of job roles and career paths match those particular strengths. Um, so it forms a really clear piece of the puzzle. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say, so um, I've, I've worked with people and, and some people can be a little bit um, doubting about StrengthsFinder. So mm. it's something that you can, you can just get online. Uh, you can just go to Google Up and you can download it from their website, pay some money. Um, this is what I found really interesting. So my dad used to be a career coach as well. I didn't feel like it was quite right to get him on the podcast and talk about infertility. <laughs> He'd be like, what? <laughs> um, but um, he he made me do Strengths Finder when I was very, I was very junior um, in one of the first agencies I worked in. And what I found super interesting was I redid it 10 years later. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really looked at my strengths that much from the ones I had done from the previous years. And they almost came out as identical. <laughs> and I think, I do think, you know, your strengths can change over time. Yeah. But what was really interesting about that is, um, you know, there, there must be some truth to it, for me at least, because having done that, I think I had four of the same five top strengths yeah. 10 years later, just really showed me that yeah. <laughs> you know, there are just some things that are bloody stubborn and ingrained <laughs> me as as strengths yeah and one thing i found about um infertility is that it's quite sad but it can it can feel like it robs you of your yourself mm. and we we talked about in the grief episode we talked about you know you go through all these emotions denial uh anger you go through sadness and you're going through all of these things are like I'm not going to say they're new emotions to you but the depth of feeling that you mm. have around these emotions is can be new to you yeah um and it does feel like you as a person are changing sometimes in a positive way sometimes in a negative way but the one thing that I found has really grounded me is just knowing some of those strengths and I'm sure we'll come to talk about values as well mm. um because like I said, over 10 years, those have not changed. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, you're right to call it out because, you know, I, I, I work with, you know, several clients who are quite mm. analytical and quite skeptical of these sorts of things. And, um, and they've been amazed when the results have come back. I mean, the way that Gallup developed the actual assessment means, you know, they, they, you get asked technically the same question a hundred different ways in order mm -hmm. to, and it's all done on a, on a, 
on a speed basis. So you have to answer the questions really quickly. So it's based on gut reaction rather than what you, you wish you were good at um, or how you might self judge. So, but it asks the same thing so many times and so many variations that it gets to the heart of just your natural instinct. Um, and I've never, in all the time that I've used it with people, I've never had one one client that really disagreed with the results. Mm. When I've had that. people take it years later, you're absolutely right. What, what often happens is, you know, there might be one or two slight changes just because obviously, you know, as we grow and we get older, we, we, we have experiences that shape us. Um, but the strengths always stay in the same family. So there are of the 34 strengths, they are they sit in four categories um, and the categories don't change. You know, oh. you're still the same person. So you might have developed a particular strength within a category that's mm. you know stronger 10 years later than it might have been before but it yeah technically not a lot changes mm. and what are the other components then that you would look at Alison so the, the 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 one of the other pieces as Tash mentioned is around personal values um, and by that I mean the ways in which you need to live and work in order to be happy um, you know because everyone's different and it tends to be something we don't really give much credence to but it's absolutely vital. Um, so I, I have a, a system I take people through to help them actually identify and articulate what their core values are. So, you know, what is it that's so fundamental to your general well-being and happiness, um, both from a personal point of view, as well as a, you know, a work point of view? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it's, it's, it's really powerful is that you can, you can you, a, it helps you really understand yourself. It makes sense of why you react the way you do to particular situations or people. Um, and, but it, it provides a really basic framework for decision making. Because if you're, you know, whatever decisions you make, personal or professional, if they align with your core values, it's likely to be a very good decision for you. Um, mm. But, you know, by contrast, if you if you make decisions that cause you to compromise on the things that are really core to your to your general happiness, it's going to feel awful. You know, and, and it sounds really obvious, but it is amazing how easy it is to compromise. Yeah. You know? and, and, I, and I think that's interesting, Ali, because, um, for example, like lots of my core values are met in my current role. Mm. But another core value that I have is stability, which is really important to me. Mm. And while trying to have a baby, that stability isn't really there, especially when, you know, uh, in the situation that both Natasha and I are in. So yeah. I think like it's interesting to me because I another core value I have is um, I would like to strive for success. But mm. those two things come in conflict because if, for example, maybe in the past year or however long I had changed jobs, all that stability that comes with my current permanent role mm. goes. And so sometimes it feels like if, if I looked at my values when looking for a job or thinking about my career, some of those would really be in conflict. So then it's it's about what, what ultimately is more important, you know, and it doesn't mm. mean they are exclusive. So if, you know, if you've got stability, it's really important. And so actually for you, that means staying where you are, you know, and you're working for an employer that really values you and, and supports you as you as you go through this process. Um, you know, but you also recognize that you've got ambition and that you want to strive to be successful. It's then potentially about looking at the role that you're in and where you might be able to stretch that within the organization you sit in. You know, you could you could, you know, learn about or move into or expand your role in. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm. It's about balancing it out. And it's the the exercise I take people through actually helps them put them put their values in order of priority. Right. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) You know, of all of it, which are the the most important, you know, that are going to guide you. As I say, what I love about this advice is, um, you know, some sometimes we talk about changing careers and changing jobs, but some of this advice might actually just point to you staying still, yeah, and that's okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people feeling out there, maybe um, with infertility, feeling like you know a little bit down about staying still. But it's about understanding yourself and your own motivations, so that you feel like you've made the right decision, whatever that decision is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, you know, I did this exercise years ago when I when I worked with a coach and I was feeling stuck. I had a 20 year career in PR um, and I had no idea what it was I wanted to do instead. 
And I did this exercise around values and it was, it, I mean, it's hilarious to me now, but you know, my, my, one of my top values is peace. And for me, peace means silence. <laughs> and I was working in an open plan, crazy busy office. I was living in Covent Garden in possibly the noisiest place on earth. Yeah. And so, you know, I was, I think these, <laughs> but it hadn't occurred to me. And yet, you know, it, it, which is why I now live on a mountainside in Wales. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's just it can be really enlightening because I was I was completely oblivious to myself. You know, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about what genuinely made me feel calm and peaceful personally, as well as from a work point of view. You know, and, it, and, and I had so I and because I didn't know it, I couldn't apply it. To yes. thinking of what I might do next. Yeah. What, one of the things I wanted to say about. Um, values is that I feel like they're applicable to your career but they're also applicable to your infertility journey as well so um one of the things we talked about Annie with um Alison was that you can take those values and and use those as a basis for your relationship as well yeah often these values help shape the way that you talk and work with people at work Mm -hmm. but also they're so key to your relationship as you go through infertility, really understanding what are the things that that you hold so true to yourself that yeah. may feel like they're being compromised during infertility too. Mm. And then understanding your partner's values so that when, that when different things are pushing different buttons, yeah. you can understand why. Well, you can rationalise somebody, you know, your partner's behaviour or your, or your partner, yours. One of my partners, for example, what his top value was progress. So you can imagine in the scenario that, that you know, you guys are in, that that was There's just... No progress. Yeah, yeah. You know, and of course, as things, as time went on and things slowed down and slowed down, nothing feels to be moving. He got mm. angrier and angrier, <laughs> mm. you know. And so, but to understand that, you know, from, from a partner's point of view, to understand, okay, I, you know, I completely appreciate that that for you is just vital to your sense of self and sense of, mm. of feel good, mm. you know. Um, so therefore, we've got to help you find progress in other things. If, you know, mm-hmm. in, 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 if there's something, you know, in this process that you can't control, what are the things you can control to help mm-hmm. balance it out? Um, so, yeah, so you can, you can it, it really, it provides, it just provides a depth of insight and helps explain and rationalise, you know, your partner's behaviours or feelings or, or, you know, emotional state. So true. Alison, tell us about the other components. Oh, okay, yes. I can't remember them. I feel so, like I, I should. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the student who's, uh, I only got 50% here, guys. <laughs> so um, the third component is actually a mix. Um, it, it, partly it, it, there's, a, there's a piece around transferable skills. You know, so so understanding actually what your skill set is for starters. Um, so I have an exercise I take people through that helps them actually nail down what skill sets they've built up over the course of their personal and professional lives. But more importantly, of all of the skills you've built up, which ones do you actually enjoy the most? <laughs> like, you know, because just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean you enjoy it. So people end up with a very tight list of, of, of transferable skills or, or skills that they, you know, they want to make the most of if they choose to stay within the job they're in. Um, and the other side of that is um, a bit of personality profiling. So I, I use a free version of the Myers-Briggs personality profile test that I'm sure most a lot of people have, have done before because um, mm. it provides real, where are strengths are your sort of natural talents? You know, where you're also a human being. You bring yourself to work um, and, mm. and, you know, personally. And it provides an extra layer of understanding about your lens on the world, yourself, and how you see things. Um, and it has a really interesting section on career. You know, again, it, it gives you ideas about what matches your personality type. Um, so that's the third piece. And then the fourth piece is around passions. You know, what is it that actually lights you up? What makes you feel good? You know, what interests you and absorbs you and engages you? And to be honest, most people don't know. Um, I certainly didn't years ago. Um, so I've got a, a couple of different tools and techniques I take people through to actually draw that information out of you. Because if you can apply from a work context, you know, things that you're genuinely actually interested in and make that part of what you do, your commitment to it is going to be that much greater and it's going to feel great. 
So, um, Ali, just what I'm getting from everything you've just said uh, is mm. that for someone who is um, at whatever stage of their infertility journey, as we say, mm. um, a lot of what you've described there across those four different uh, kind of concepts or ideas mm. is that people don't know themselves. So whether yeah. you're in a position to move jobs or whether you're making decision to stay job or whatever, mm. it's helpful to know yourself and to yeah. you know take those steps to think, right, well, what actually am I passionate about? Maybe I can forge my career path that in the future, this is where I'm going. Or so, yeah. I, so I guess what, what I'm really asking is, you know is a sense that even if you make no changes getting to know what you yourself want might be slightly empowering for someone in our situation to think yeah right well maybe I can't change jobs now but maybe I'll try and make a pivot in my current role to kind of strive towards what I actually want yeah absolutely you know and it, it's because in understanding what drives motivates and interests you and what you're good at you know, even from a personal point of view, it can help you make very different decisions about the people you, you choose to spend your time with, the mm. activities that you do in your spare time, you know, mm. just, just you know, what you read, watch and listen to. So that it, it you know, it, because become, being conscious of, of who you really are and, and what matters to you and what, what makes you feel good enables mm. you to make better choices all round. You know, never mind from a career point of view, but just personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know and it's, it's quite I, I love watching it you know when I, when I work with people and I see people see themselves really see themselves for the first time and then understand their, that you know why they are the way they are mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's it's liberating and it's really empowering yeah you know what I think it is it's that sometimes I find myself in the realms of kind of between all that advice so for example you know don't leave before you leave and I totally agree with that that's uh, I think everyone should be as ambitious as they can until something prevents them from from not being that way but then when you find yourself in this situation where you sort of want something to happen but Mm. you're hamstrung by the other thing that you also want to happen not happening Mm. it can just be a point of frustration or it can be you know it can be really difficult to decide I mean I guess probably for me I have short-term goals and then longer term goals and the the shifting space of fertility being short-term into long-term just sometimes makes the I guess it just shapes all your decisions, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but I think if you, you know, when you're stuck, like you said, it's a bit like being in a limbo land and not quite, not, not mm. quite knowing where the future, what the future holds from one mm. respect. And then the other, you know, you, you, you've got plans and you've got ambitions and everything else, but it, everything just probably, I know you, you, know, you tell me, but I'm sure it feels quite stilted and a bit like, where do I focus my time mm. and energy? And mm. And again, but just an understanding yourself helps you make a choice about where where to focus for the for now for the time being. You know, mm-hmm. that just makes you makes you feel enthused. And I think you've given us some great ideas there for what people can practically, what kind of actions they can take to make them feel a bit more empowered. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it can make a massive difference. And what I love about um, when we started working together, Ali, and I was still in PR and trying to get out of PR. Um, you said, you know, you don't have to take a big, massive step. Just no. take <laughs> lots of lots of little steps. And I, I, one of my, I'm sure one of my values or one of my strengths is ambition. You know, I'm just like, right, <laughs> I'll do it all. Um, and you were like, you're you know, you have, yeah, yeah. You don't have the capacity to, you know, you don't have the mental, emotional, whatever capacity to to try and take on the world right now so what you've got to do is is break that down into really little steps logical little steps and think okay who is the person I need to influence within my work or um what is what is the one extra activity I can add to my work week that aligns with my passions and then who do I have to influence to be able to enable that to happen who do I have to convince that that should be part of my job role and we Mm. often talk about Ali being me being like oh that's not always possible and I don't you know that's not part of my job role and they're going to think I'm weird if I do that and I think you know you were really good at saying no there's always you know there's always a way 
but we just need <laughs> to think around the influences on on your role and who has the kind of ability to help you adapt as you go because one yeah. thing that I really learned from working with you is you, you do this stuff and you implement it in the workplace but and it, you know I was working with you maybe what a year or two years before I you know, was out of that last job yeah and um we had by the end, time I ended that job I had put in enough digital stuff that I was able to get a digitally focused career mm. and now I don't do PR mm. so um I, my boss listens to this I still very much value PR <laughs> it's a very <laughs> good <laughs> element of the marketing mix so I don't want to seem like I'm undervaluing it but it wasn't for me so um so basically, like, you know, it was really making very small steps, you know, every week to thinking, what is the small step I can make today? Yeah, no matter what somebody's situation, you know, it, it's, and, I, and again, I, I get all my clients to take this this um, approach. You know, we always imagine, particularly if you're thinking about career change, as I was years ago, you imagine switching off one career and switching on another one. You know, and all that does is it's like a whole load of fear. It feels like an, an impossible mountain to climb and like, oh, my God, you know, oh, this is unrealistic. It's not going to happen. Close that idea down and stay stuck. Um, but, you know, whether, whether it's a step change you want or a complete career change, the approach is the same. It's a transition. It's not it's not jump out of one thing into another. And, and in order to transition, it's a it's a plan of the smallest possible steps, because if you if you take the tiniest steps, it removes your, the, the barriers your mind puts up around how difficult it is or how impossible it is. Because if you take a really small, easy step, it doesn't feel like a thing, you know, and you can just take loads and loads of steps. And, it, and, and in taking really tiny, bite-sized, you know, doesn't feel like a thing step, eventually you start to build real momentum without really even feeling like you've done anything. You know, it, it moves you forward. So whether that is thinking about who you need to influence, what you might volunteer to do, you know, how, what you might be reading or, or learning about in your spare time. You just take those tiny steps. And the thing with it, what happens is, is it feels great. Because as you start engaging in and trying to do more of the thing that you're actually interested in and care about, the day job itself becomes less onerous. You know, you, you're less mm -hmm. emotionally attached to it. It doesn't have the same negative impact if you're not enjoying it. Instead, you really feel like you're 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 moving towards the kind of future that you want. So it it's that is absolutely the approach to take. Baby step it. I think it's a good point here to mention finances as well, because yeah. um you know, for, for many people finances are and, and trying to start a new and a new career mm. or even just a new job, finances are a massive consideration. Um, but when you're going through infertility and yeah, you're course, potentially paying course. thousands of pounds for treatment, thousands like of that is, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I need to, I can't be taking a well, pay cut right now. No, but that's the thing about a transition plan. You can, you can do it in a time frame that suits whatever financial circumstances you have. You know, it doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to target a change, you know, that's immediate. Like, I mean, I'm a case in point, you know, when I made the decision that I wanted to get out of PR and, and you know, become a coach, um, it was a four year process from start to finish, because I had all those fears around, oh, God, I'm going to throw away this career where, you know, I've got a fancy job title, and I'm earning a fair whack of money, um, you know, and then I'm going to start again, I'm going to, and I'm going to be on the, you know, I'm going to be on the streets. <laughs> what if it fails, and I, I don't earn any money at all? But, you know, I did it over a four year period. So I, I, I did my training, which took a year while I was still working full time. And I really enjoyed because I enjoyed it. It didn't feel like, you know, a, a really onerous task. And then I set up my, my business in the background. Um, so I was coaching on the evenings and weekends, you know, and so whilst I was still working full time. And at the point at which I couldn't take on any additional clients because I didn't have the physical time, I was able to then negotiate going part time. So that I had, you know, I get I had a few days a week to build up my own business. Meanwhile, still having the financial stability of a, of a three day work week um, that was, you know, paid by an employer. And I did that for 18 months until I reached a point where I was able, you know, I hit the tipping point and was able to then move into working full time as a coach. 
So, you know, I didn't know how long it was going to take when I started, but it was a four year journey because, you know, mm-hmm. people who built up, you know, a whole boatload of skills and experience in whatever, whatever, you know, industry you've been in, a lot of it's transferable. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to start right at the very bottom. So it, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. It, it's a, yeah, it's I, you know, I definitely got a pay rise when I moved yeah. to the job. There you go. You know, great case in point. Okay, so Alison, if we were to um, give our listeners a top five tips takeaway from this um, conversation, what mm-hmm. would they be? Well, uh, first and foremost, you know, get to know yourself. You know, whichever way you do it, really unpick, you know, what is it, what it is that drives, motivates and interests you and what you care about. Because whether you apply that personally or professionally, it makes for a better, more interesting, more engaging life. Um, you know, and it, it sounds really pat, but a lot of us, and I certainly didn't know myself very well, and I was making decisions that just didn't fit. So get to know yourself. Um, baby steps, you know, in terms of a step change, whatever kind of change you want to make, break it down into the smallest possible pieces. You know, and if, if a step feels too too big or, or you're feeling a lot of resistance, it's not small enough. So break it down even more um, because I, I promise you it will motor you forward. Um, it's also actually quite important to, to, to create or surround yourself with a support system, you know, a, a bunch of cheerleaders is often what I call them. So, you know, as you're thinking about, you know, what it is you want and, and taking steps towards it, it can be really helpful to have, you know, sometimes just one person or, or a group of people that have got your back, that will, that will cheer you up, that will support you as you're mm-hmm. taking steps, you know, or that will give you useful advice or guidance. Um, you know, so think about the support system that you have and actively activate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one important thing is, you know, I suppose as a, as a key point, you're never too old. Um, I get this a lot with clients when they come to me, you know, if, if, particularly if they're thinking about a change. You're never too old to make a change. I work with people in their 50s who have done the same thing all their lives and really want to do something else, but feel like they've missed the boat until, you know, they realise they haven't. Um, you know, so whether it's it's a side hustle and you're, you're building up something in the background, whether you want to pivot to, you know, within the same industry to a different role or make a complete change, it's entirely possible. Again, just by taking those small steps. Um, and probably the fifth thing is is doing work around or recognizing the limiting beliefs that you might hold. Um, you know, we all have it. We're human beings. We, you know, we, we, we have a lens on ourselves and on the world, the way the world works and, and what's, what's possible. And often as not, it's negative. And we get stuck in negative cycles of thinking about, you know, about ourselves and about what, what mm. we're able to achieve. Um, mm. But there are specific tools and techniques, and I use quite a lot with most of my clients around retraining your brain to think differently, because you absolutely can, you can change the physiology of your brain. Um, so that you, you see things as they actually are versus what your mind's trying to tell you, which is it's all terrible and a disaster and impossible. Um, when you remove that stuff, which you really can, you know, whether it relates to imposter syndrome, whether it relates to, you know, uh, just the fact that you, you feel like you're not worth it or you're not worthy or everything just feels like it's just impossible to do. When you take that, that gauze away, you know, you can just, you make different decisions and you make better decisions and, you know, things improve dramatically. So, you know, investing in support where you need it to help you remove the mental barriers that hold you back can make all the difference. Thanks, Alison. That's so helpful. I especially like the last tip because I think a lot of our listeners may have kind of stagnated thinking through lockdown or through their own, you know, experience with infertility. So I think that's been very helpful and the whole conversation. Yeah, well, you're yeah, welcome. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Again. Our favorite time of the week, any positive moment of the week? Yeah, How so I have a positive moment of the week that is uh, overwhelmingly positive and slightly negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as you know, it's my birthday, and uh, my husband Alex is usually he's always very thoughtful about these things, and he was really excited about my present and. Uh, he gave it to me this morning a day early like that's how excited he was and he presented <laughs> it set up in the sitting room as he would like it to look 
and it is a bar cart stocked with some new cocktail glasses <laughs> and all of my favorite spirits like he went and got like the gin from our wedding like and this is really nice right <laughs> I know what's coming <laughs> we're not drinking we're off alcohol like it's painful it's so tricky and he told me he like he's so organizing he bought like three or four weeks ago and we've been doing this for about two Aww. weeks now but like I'm not even kidding like when he set it up and where like I will sit watch watch telly like between the sofa and the telly is this beautiful bar cart yeah and I just <laughs> think it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> so um it's a nice present it's just the wrong time yeah, yeah. I um, I was thinking that maybe it was his sneaky way of trying to kind of add, inject a bit more alcohol into your lives. No, I mean, we definitely didn't need that pre um, us cutting out booze. But um, yeah, so he just said he thought I would like a cocktail this weekend and we will have one this weekend. Um, but we've been planning on getting a bar cart like that for a really long time. But <laughs> it just, uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, how about you? Well, um. I haven't finished all my work, but I am officially on holiday for a week. Oh, amazing. I know. Um, and I really need it because I did work my last holiday um, a little bit. And I'm really excited. And I have I've messaged my pizza work, who um, <clears throat> are very supportive, by the way. You know, it's mostly me that, that ends up working. And that's something to do with me. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to take the full week off and just relax. And I'm really looking forward to that. Sounds lovely. Um, and the weather is going to be amazing. So oh, I know be... the sun's literally just come out as you said that. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, as always, please do contact us uh, if you have any questions or anything to ask, anything, any comments. Um, our Instagram is the underscore unplanned underscore pause, or you can email us on at the unplanned pause at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye. Bye.